0: on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. If there's a non-prescription way to take care of a problem and the patient's motivated, amen. Increasingly, businesses are focusing on the physical and mental health of their employees. A doctor will tell us why that's a good idea. So many of us have not spent those gift cards we have received over time that there was even a special day dedicated to using them. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to a machinery producer which just completed its 13th expansion at a rural Iowa plant. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of January 2024. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. About six months ago, we profiled Mud Advertising based in Cedar Falls. The family-owned company has long had an exercise facility on site for employees, but recently added a sauna to the mix. Mud is one of an increasing number of businesses that recognizes the importance of encouraging employees to pay attention to wellness. Dr. Matt Ketman is with Cedar Valley Medical Specialists in Waterloo. He recently spoke to Mud employees on the topic. We connected on Tuesday, December 26, 2023.
1: I think a lot of people take health for granted because it seems like something unachievable or too difficult to take on or they start out of the gate like a sprint when it's more of a marathon. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that it's a lot more accessible, good health improvements, small changes, a lot more accessible to everybody than they realize. And it doesn't take a medical degree. It doesn't take having to see experts in a whole bunch of fields to figure out some of the real basic changes that you can make to improve your health, improve how you feel, live longer, and just live a higher quality life.
0: Talk, if you will, about the connection between physical health and one's mental health, because we often have conversations with people as if they are two very divergent things, but in reality, they work in concert, do they not?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think nothing would illustrate that better than a study that came out of Australia last year. Amazing study. You know, we have record mental health crisis right now, especially since COVID and the shutdowns and whatnot. It took a toll. We see it all the time in the office, but amazing study. It was, I think it was a meta-analysis of like 128,000 patients, a thousand different studies or something like that. It was really big. And it compared antidepressants and it compared traditional therapy, psychotherapy, and then it also compared exercise, prescribed exercise. I believe it was 150 minutes a week. Surprisingly, for treating the symptoms of mental health, depression, anxiety, exercise was 1.5 times better than either prescriptions or than therapy. And so these authors actually recommended exercise as first-line therapy for mental health problems, which is incredible. So I believe the endorphins and the natural chemicals that are released when you get moving, I think, just illustrates how much mental health is tied into physical health.
0: Do you find in the people you talk with when you do public presentations or your patients, either one, do you find that people say, oh, I just don't have time to do the physical exercise. You can give me a pill and that'll help my mental issues. Great. Give me the pill because I'm looking for something simple because I just don't have the time.
1: Some people, but I think most people aren't. I think most people nowadays, especially, you know, I think a lot of what's happened in the news over the last several years, I think the physicians in the medical industry have lost trust. And so I don't think people are quite as... um Excited about turning to the pharmaceutical industry and to physicians about uh, just give me a pill to fix it. I think people are starting to question what they're putting in their body, the alternative medicine industry, supplements, all this, you know, record highs, billions of dollars spent. People are interested, I think, in more natural and more traditional ways of looking back into you know, the ways people used to take care of themselves and why did people feel better 50 years ago and why did people feel better 30 years ago? And, you know, I think people are starting to question, you know, should I be taking all these medicines? I hear more people come in and say, I don't want to take all these medicines. And so sometimes the conversation naturally just changes to what can I do and how can I feel better? And is there a way I can get off these medicines? I'm always very much in favor of that. If there's a non-prescription way to take care of a problem and the patient's motivated, amen.
0: We've been using phrases like mental health, and I wonder if people listening are thinking, well, that's way down the line. We're talking about people who even just have a little bit of seasonal depression or people who just may not even recognize it themselves, right? That Absolutely. just doing a little bit of exercise can brighten the mood. So if you're in a post-holiday blues or I don't whatever characterization you want to use, doesn't take much to snap you back out of it. And you may not even know that it's affecting your performance.
1: Absolutely. I would challenge anybody that has not experienced, you know, the benefits of an exercise regimen to tell me they don't feel better after doing it. Feel better mentally. No, you don't have to have clinical depression. You don't have to meet the criteria for depression to benefit from exercise. Even just what we call stress is immensely reduced. Sleep is improved. All-around mood is improved. I I mean, take the challenge. Try it. You know, get out and walk. And it doesn't have to be some intense program that some Olympian follows. It can just be as simple as moving around the house for some people, depending on your level, you know, your physical level where you're starting at. And tell me you don't see or ask your loved ones, do you see improvement in me? I mean, it doesn't take that long either to get those endorphins flowing.
0: I mentioned earlier the folks at Mud were putting in a new sauna, I believe, and some other things. What's the benefit for a business in that kind of capital outlay? Because all of our budgets are tight. And it used to be, well, this is what you do on your own time. But more and more employees are demanding this sort of thing as a benefit, and employers see the benefit.
1: Absolutely. I think there's a lot of studies out there that you could look at that show cost-effectiveness of employers investing in this kind of thing for their people, which is why you see like Medicare and some insurances starting to cover gym memberships and whatnot. You get reduced sick days, you get increased productivity, people are mentally sharper, healthier. So you end up spending less on your premiums for your health insurance. And down the road, I think we're finding as a nation that the more we invest in prevention, the less we're paying on the other end.
0: So for a business that says, well, we're okay attracting and retaining employees, but we could probably do better. And I keep hearing that people want these additional benefits or things that might set them apart, the business apart from others. What's a good way for them to go about dipping the toe in the water or trying to get involved with their employees beyond simply clock in, clock out?
1: Well, there's all kinds of consultants out there, I'm sure, sure, that are available if you got the money to spend it on. But it might be as simple as just starting a challenge. Like uh, I've seen people do like weight loss challenges and put money in the pot or it might be a walk a day and let's see, you know, or, you know, MUD is a great example of uh, taking care of their employees, investing in their employees, looking out for their employees' physical health. I believe they actually give a, a financial bonus for people that spend so much time in the gym that they have for them, which is an incredible gym for a company to have for its employees. And now the fact that they're adding a sauna is amazing. But it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that intense. It might just be as simple as rewarding financially documented behavior changes. And you're seeing that already with insurance companies. You know, some of the bigger places here, some of the self-insured companies are starting to say, well, your premium will be reduced if you quit smoking and stuff like that. And I see people in my clinic all the time and I have to document, hey, look at, here's my blood pressure. And so I take it back and now I get $20 per month off my premium. So I think anything where you're incentivized People, whether it be financially or whether it be from some sort of reward at work, to do exercise. And it doesn't have to be a program that is out there. It can be something as simple as what you come up with. And, you know, in a little business with two or three people, hey, if you exercise every day, I'm going to give you an extra bonus or give you a gift certificate or something like that. I mean, you can be very creative.
0: Almost to the point of we're going to put a sign in the door at the noon hour that says we're closed for lunch and the five of us are going to take a walk down to the park and then back. I mean, it it doesn't have to be. As rigid or fancy. Absolutely I mean, this not. is my problem is that I'm always thinking of charts and graphs and check boxes. And really, it's just get out of the chair.
1: Absolutely. And as a business owner, and I would challenge other business owners as a business owner, I mean, try it, see what happens, see if the mood isn't lifted, see if it isn't a more pleasant place and more pleasant people to work with, see if the productivity doesn't improve. I certainly have failed a lot of other efforts to try and improve those things. And this one is about as cheap and as accessible as you can get. It's just, you know, getting on walking or hitting the gym or exercising, you know.
0: What's the biggest stumbling block or impediment? So when you talk to people, whether it's in your clinic or at a group like MUD, when you talk to the employees, what do you sense is the biggest hindrance? And it sounds to me, it's almost like, look in the mirror and you'll see the biggest uh, hurdle that you have to face. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions, especially when I started working out, I was embarrassed to go in the gym and there's going to be all these meat heads or muscle guys in there laughing at me. And, and the truth is you go in there and it's not, it's common everyday people who are just trying to be better versions of themselves, you know? And I think it, some of that is the mentality that, Hey, I'm just not cut out for that or I don't fit there. And yeah, of course there's gyms where most of the people there are, are bodybuilders or whatever. I think it has to become so universal that common person who has maybe some pounds to shed or whatever their health goal is, feels welcome and comfortable there and not judged. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions I see or impediments to instituting something like that. Also, I think another one is that you have to do some Olympian type of workout. No, it can be as simple for some people as walking around the block once, you know, working up to it. And I think another thing that people get tied up into is feeling like they have to maintain this rigid program where it can just be when you have time. That's how you start and let it take you. Let the momentum build. Let your natural desire to do this, to feel better, those natural endorphins that can come from exercise and all the benefits that happen to improve sleep, the improved energy, the improved mental focus and enjoyment throughout your day. Let that sweep you down the river. If you can show people the rewards, how much better they're going to feel as opposed to, if you don't do this, you won't suffer, people are much more likely to pursue things that they see the results that are positive as a
0: reward than they are the carrot versus the stick. Dr. Matt Ketman of Cedar Valley Medical Specialists in Waterloo. We spoke on Tuesday, December 26, 2023. Still to come, cashing in those gift cards and later, building farm machinery from a plant in an Iowa cornfield. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. A new year brings new opportunities for Iowa soybean farmers. From biofuels and policy to a changing market landscape, many factors impact the value of Iowa soybean crop. Learn about these trends and more by attending Farm Forward, powered by the Iowa Soybean Association, on January 30th. Register today at IASoybeans.com and position your farm for success in 2024 and beyond. The Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Welcome back to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. It's an easy gift, whether at Christmas or other times of the year, but millions of gift cards go unused each year with a collective value estimated to be in the billions of dollars. Almost two-thirds of American consumers say they have at least one unspent gift card in a drawer somewhere. At least half of those consumers lose the gift card before they get a chance to use it. That's all according to a report from Credit Summit, an online provider of financial advisory services. As a result, Saturday, January 20th was designated National Use Your Gift Card Day. Organizers hope it will ultimately take on the same importance as Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday. Some businesses, in fact, were planning special deals only available to those who used gift cards. Part of the problem stems from folks who use a gift card but leave a small balance on it. Organizers of National Use Your Gift Card Day say if you have a card with a small balance or a card you don't plan to use you should consider donating them to charity. Coming up, a four-generation family business expands in Iowa. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, Iowa. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Don't miss the cover story of our January-February issue about the most famous bank robber in U.S. history, John Dillinger, who robbed a bank in Mason City almost 90 years ago. Our new issue also features stories about Johnny Carson, Governor Harold Hughes, Iowa Athletic Trainer Doc Alsop, and more. Pick up our January-February issue at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and other locations. Better yet, subscribe and visit us at
2: iowahistoryjournal.com.
0: Welcome back to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In this week's Business Profile segment, we'll learn about unverfirth Manufacturing, which has a growing facility in Shell Rock in Butler County. Some 75 years ago, a father and son started the company that bears their name, with the fourth generation of family members now involved in management. Jerry Eklund is communications manager with Unverfurth Manufacturing.
2: We are a implement manufacturer based in Clyde, Ohio. We make a wide variety of tillage equipment, grain carts, fertilizer equipment, sprayers, and... Wheels is where the company actually got its teeth cut. The company started back in 1948 officially with Richard Unverfers and his father, L.G. Unverfers. L.G. unfortunately passed away in the early 60s, and that left Richard to pick up and continue expanding the business from where he and his father had it at to what it is today.
0: You have four different manufacturing locations, two where you are located in Ohio, one in Nebraska. How did you happen upon putting a facility in
2: Shell Rock, Iowa. Well, in 1988, a company called Brent Industries became available. We saw it as a very good opportunity to expand our operations both westward as well as with a new product line with grain carts and grain wagons.
0: So let's talk about the operation that you acquired and how it has changed over this period of time.
2: In 1988, when we purchased the company, there were uh, 20,000 square feet under roof. In 1990, 1991, that was doubled to 40,000 because of the volume that we've been able to achieve uh, was more sales, bigger products. Today, that facility is over 600,000 square feet, which is 13 and a half
0: acres under roof. Many times we have seen help wanted ads, and it's not because you were struggling to meet your normal needs. It's because you were expanding. This has really been a growth business, this particular operation in this portion of the state. We
2: definitely have grown very, very much in that town. It is a little gem out in the middle of nowhere. We've done very well with the quality of products that are put out the door, and with expanding our dealership base to purchase those types of products across the U.S. and Canada.
0: Interesting, 13 different expansion projects, the most recent one in the time that you have owned this plant was just completed, 5,000 square feet of a facility plus then renovations What's different about this latest expansion and how does that translate either into commitment to the community
2: or workforce growth? Last year after we completed a 70,000 square foot expansion, we noticed we were getting tight on space. So plans were made to draw up this additional 5,000 square foot facility, which will be used to house a lot of the pieces and components for the products we make, as well as make more room in our current production for moving equipment around, making things more efficient, as well as adding more people such as welders, painters, and assembly people.
0: So now you're looking to hire another 55 people. What's the approximate workforce there in Shell Rock these days? We are
2: getting uh, close to 500 at our Shell Rock facility.
0: And the type of work, we've talked about it on this program many times over the past several years, but when we say manufacturing, That is a very different operation now than it was even 10 years ago, but
2: certainly 30 and 40 years ago. Yes, it is. There's a lot more technology involved. We've got robotic welding. We've got a lot of lasers that are cutting out pieces and parts, as well as forming some of the steel that goes into the grain cart bodies and our fertilizer spreader bodies.
0: There are a lot of people who say, well, if we have uh, robotics and automation, uh, we're going to need fewer people. The reality is... You're able to be more efficient with those tools, and yet you're still adding workers. This is certainly not uh, an efficiency move that then cuts the human element. You're expanding the human element.
2: Both the expansion of our equipment has allowed us to continue growing and adding more people on because we're able to make some of the component parts quicker, enabling us to be able to go in and hire more welders to assemble more grain carts than we were 30 years ago.
0: You're using all manner of lasers in all of this as well. And that is something that I trust that someone who had started with the company, let's say 40 years ago, one of your longtime employees at one of your plants, what they have seen over the course of time must be amazing in terms of the difference.
2: I think a lot of the people with gray hairs and such, very much so looked at it as wow, we've grown a lot look what the investment in this technology has done for us in terms of the quality we're putting out and taking some of the more laborious welding jobs and turning that into robotics that can repeat those actions time after time very accurately and very dependably in the market or out in the plant. The ag industry
0: is a tricky one because Those who produce the product, the farmers, the agribusiness community, they have to worry about markets, they have to worry about governmental policy, they have to worry about weather, and it is difficult to be on the farm. And you're making equipment that you're trying to sell to these folks. What opportunities does that provide you as a specialty manufacturer, and what challenges are there, given that that is your customer base?
2: One of our goals has always been to make products that make their lives quicker, easier, safer, and faster. And we feel that by providing products that do that, that help them save time, which is money, we're gonna be successful.
0: It is impossible to predict the future, but it does not prevent me from asking. Uh, You have a five-year plan, no doubt, probably a longer plan. But if we were to reconnect in about five years, overall, where do you think the company is going to be? Do you have some expansion plans or targets that
2: you're working toward? We see the company continuing to grow. We brought on new product lines last year, like Orthman, that has a lot of market share potential in areas where we currently haven't been quite as strong, as well as some overseas possibilities for grain handling equipment that we make in Iowa.
0: That's a pretty important component to have the Iowa manufacturing right there, Nebraska as well. I imagine that's a benefit when you're trying to sell products or working through dealers to be able to say, we produce it right here. Our customers drive right by the plant
2: every day. That's a unique hook, isn't it? Yes, it is. Brent was founded on uh, Mike Van Mills Farm, who still works with us today. That particular facility is out in the middle of a cornfield and is very impressive. It is very humbling to be around that area because there's an excellent workforce like Ohio. There is excellent work ethic and just overall good people. Jerry Eckland, Communications Manager
0: with Unverfirth Manufacturing. We connected via Zoom on Thursday, January 18. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IVR extras and IVR business profiles, and we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 18 now in all. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the group's 2024 legislative priorities by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.